back to the Dad and Rock podcast. Happy 50th episode. This is Sean. And this is Chris. 50 episodes later, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll <give you> a... <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I mean, it seems like yesterday that you had kicked around the idea at our uh, camping trip. And here we are again, just about to head on another camping trip next weekend. Yeah, no, it was a meek little like, hey, dude, I, I was thinking about doing something. Not sure how you were going to kind of you know go with it. And you kind of took it a lot more openly than I expected. <laughs> then boom, this happened. <laughs> here we are. That's awesome. So, I mean, another week, another, you know, bunch of things happening. We haven't had a meteor hit the earth yet. You know, July didn't give us any killer bees or anything. No, either, I, think, so. I think that's August and September. We, we still have to wait for <laughs> We those. still have time. <laughs> I mean, I've had a pretty big change here in my house. Uh, the backyard now has a pretty decent-sized pool in it, about an 18-foot, you know, long pool, oval pool. Oh, nice. Which the, uh, the kids are super pumped about. How difficult was it to uh, put it up? Dude, it w- if it wasn't for the heat getting to me, it would have been up like within like 30 minutes. Yeah. It was super easy. Basically, you inflate the top and you have it kind of folded in. Right. And then you just, you put, there's, uh, there's supports on the sides. So you have them on you know, the left side and the right side here. And there's a few poles, two poles that go in both sides. And then there's like uh, U-brackets that sit on, basically lean onto the ground. Yeah. And you put them on there, then just put the water in and it fills it up. Oh, nice. And it was, like I said, it was super easy now. What kind of bugged me a little bit, since we got it, we got we got it used. Uh, Janessa actually worked with a guy that moved into a, a HOA, and they said he couldn't have it. Okay. So he had this pool just kind of sitting there, and he basically offered it to her for sixty bucks. And we're like, sure, six sixty bucks? Hell yeah, sixty bucks. Yeah, you can't beat that. No, this pool's a six hundred dollar pool. He didn't realize because he bought it an auction type site. Okay. For like hundred fifty bucks. Oh wow. I was like, nice. Okay, so we set it up, and then the top ring actually had a hole. So it was leaking air. So the top wouldn't stay inflated, which was driving me just batty. So eventually I go get some like a Gorilla Tape and kind of the waterproof and I find yep. the hole and patch it up. And it's been holding water and I had to throw some chemicals in it the other day. And <laughs> uh, We don't have a ladder yet. I have yet to be in it. How high is it off the ground? It's uh, 43 inches. Okay. So it's a, it's a decent size. Yeah. Uh, I can throw the kids in and that's kind of what I've been doing and then kind of picking them up and taking them out. Uh, but we had to actually order a uh, pull ladder on Amazon because all the pool shops and Watsons and all them, they're they're out of them for the season. Yeah, it's been kind of crazy this year. Earlier in the year when it's just started to kind of get warmer, there was kind of a pool shortage. I mean, you would head to Walmart or, you know, your typical places you would buy a pool. Even the, the smaller ones, you know, the ones that are like, you know, two feet, three feet off the ground. Um, they were just gone. They were off the shelves. Um, a lot of even like pool supplies were gone. I think it may be COVID related. I think a lot of that stuff is probably produced in China mm-hmm. and they're probably produced in like, you know, December, January and time to ship to over here. Everything was closed. Yeah. Your slash pads, your public pools, the uh, even some of the state parks at one point were closed. There was nowhere for kids to actually go swimming. Just higher demand this year. Yes, yeah, so everyone was just buying them. I mean, before this happened, I went ahead and I bought, I spent like $500 on a big inflatable like water slide like pool setup. Yeah. And we went ahead and canceled that basically right when we got confirmation of this. So, you know, 500 bucks, 60 bucks, you know, no brainer. Kids are loving it. And I, dude, I can't wait. I, I did yard work today and I was so nasty and just <laughs> tired. I almost just tried to, just to jump over the side and land in it, which I knew would end very badly for everybody. <laughs> you should have. That's what I used to do last year when we had our pool up. Um, after, you know, kind of grinding through mowing the lawn, you're just drenched in sweat. 
and uh, you just need to cool off, and I used to just dunk in the pool real quick. Dude, this old man cannot jump 42 inches. <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah. no way I can get up and over that without hurting myself. You can't just uh, like CrossFit jump uh, right into oh, it? Oh, no, that'd be a CrossFit broken angle back. I, I would not be going <laughs> camping next weekend if I did something like that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that sounds like nice summertime fun. Another summertime staple is uh, Comic-Con, typically, you know, end of July, uh, leading into August. It's been, you know, a huge event years and years, getting bigger and bigger each year. Uh, except for the last few years, studios have tended to pull out, preferring to have, like, their own conventions. But anyway, it's, been, you know, it's kind of a staple over the last 20 years or so. But, you know, with COVID, it's a bit different this year. What did they do to change it up this year? Oh, they went in and even changed the name. They called it Comic-Con at Home. So basically, everyone got in for free. So there wasn't even actual ticket to this. So, I mean, everyone can go on there, go on the site. And they went as far as actually making it so you can print your own badge and put your name on it. Oh, wow. So they were saying if you have, like, the old sleeve, you can put the new one in there. They're still doing their costume contest. It's all basically, you know, submitting things online. So they're trying to do everything as much as they would if you were actually in person. Yeah. Which is pretty cool because, I mean, I know I've never experienced it. And, I mean, I don't know if I will ever be able to experience the actual San Diego Comic-Con. Just because, you know, high demand on tickets and the price and just everything that goes around it. It would be cool to see there be there for, like, the four days. Right. But uh, that's maybe outside of the realm of possibility here. Yeah, maybe you and I can uh, head up there in the waning days, like, ten years from now, when it's back to being just a comic book convention. (laughs) And nobody goes there anymore. I think with us, I'd rather almost go to Dragon Con in Chicago. Oh, yeah. It's a lot closer. It's a lot more, it's a lot for us doable. I mean, Dragon Con is ran by the, I believe, the same people. So it has kind of the same notoriety. So, I mean, that would be something that we can do. But going back here to the Comic Con at home, uh, all their panels, there's a whole lineup from Thursday through Sunday on what time these panels go live. And they're all Zoom panels, they're all uh, recorded. So they're, they're, they look good, they sound good. And uh, you can get them at any point. So when they go on there, you can either watch it right when it comes on or you can watch it later in the day. There's really, as of right now, uh, no expiration. But I don't know if that's going to hold true come uh, the end of Sunday or not. Yeah, I, I noticed that it was mostly a showcase of like streaming shows and maybe, you know, a few movies that are coming out too. Not the huge studio presence that we typically find, of course. I mean, normally you see trailers for the next Marvel movie or, you know, big DC film or, or Disney film. Um, nothing really too much like that. But some of these streaming services did pick up the slack, especially which I think Amazon really kind of nailed it this year. I mean, as far as their shows, and we kind of mentioned it, in previous shows talking about the boys amazon's kind of been you know a little bit lackluster they're a good service and a lot of people have prime yeah so you get it for free with your prime memberships a lot of people have it but may not even actually use prime video at all yeah exactly and and as far as you know their user interface can be a little confusing at times too because they kind of jumble everything together so when you're kind of browsing you don't know whether it's something that's actually included with your prime membership or if it's something that you have to rent (laughs) or purchase because it's all kind of together or if you can't even get it at all I'll say, oh, watch to this service right. or, you know, this subscription to get it, which always kind of drove me nuts, which, which pushed me away from Prime Video. Yeah. And then, I mean, just their content in general. I mean, it's been, they've had a few uh, critically acclaimed shows, but nothing really that kind of was a big people pleaser, except for maybe the boys, the, you know, for you and me, they <laughs> pleased us. Yeah. I think Fleabag <laughs> was actually one of their big ones, if I remember right. Yeah. Fleabag definitely was. It had some critical acclaim and, and people did uh, check that one out, but nothing that made a splash as far as like a Stranger Things or anything really yeah no until the boys i mean the boys was uh, i think called them off guard or it's saying uh yeah this the, the panel here it was one of the ones that i made sure i watched because 
I mean, I'm 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 thirsting for more boys, you know, content. And uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. gross. <laughs> yeah, let's please not take that out of context. But anyway, Amazon Prime, they did a great job at this kind of different sort of Comic-Con this year. They put out some trailers to some new shows coming out and a, a scene from The Boys Season 2. Uh, we should kind of roll through some of these. Uh, they went ahead and had a panel. Apparently, they've, they've done a live panel in the past. So, I mean, it was moderated by Aisha Taylor. And then they pretty much had the whole cast. The only one that I really was noticeably not there was uh, the lady that plays Queen Maeve. Oh, okay. So, she wasn't there, and neither was, you know, John Carlos Stanton. But, uh... John Carlos Esposito? Baseball player. <laughs> John Carlos... <laughs> you could probably be watching some baseball. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, they were going into, like, back, you know, stories... With these, with these characters, where they're going forward. Uh, funny things about, you know, what they could talk about recording, you know, the most recent season here. Uh, and then they gave us a clip, <laughs> you know, of the new season, which I'm just watching. Like, I just, I had this, like, big, stupid, like, schoolboy grin on my face as I'm watching. I'm like, more. <laughs> and uh, it's pretty cool. Got the, the boys that are on the boat and they're running away. I mean, they're, they're like full blast. And next thing you know, you see the deep on a whale. And he's just kind of jumping around there chasing them. Because you know they're they're wanted characters now. These people they, they want to get them because they know they know what they're about and they're trying to take them down. So in in turn, you know you're gonna have the bad guys after you <laughs> who look like good guys. Yeah, it's funny. Um, the deep was pretty much kicked off of the seven, if I'm remembering right, from season one. I would think that he would have kind of a um, a grudge against the seven, but I don't know. He seems to be going after the boys. Maybe he thinks he can uh, win favor back with Homelander. Yeah, after he had his whole incident with Stardust. Uh, they sent him to Sandusky, Ohio. <laughs> uh, then he kind of got some of his uh, his own canumpants there. I'm not sure what his standing is going to be once they start back up. But, I mean, I, he's still a part of the seven as far as I know. Yeah. But uh, he's standing on this whale and this whale <laughs> boat goes through the whale and knocks him on his butt. It's it's crazy. You watched my reaction in real time as I was watching that scene. And when that <laughs> when Butcher just pretty much, you know, puts the boat pedal to the metal and goes full speed uh, right into this giant whale. Uh, it was, I don't know. It, it was met the standards for the previous season, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, it was uh, I didn't know this at the time. They were real quick to tell you, too. That was all practical like effects. So when wow. you see that the actual scene, that whale was was there, and uh, not no an whales actual were, whale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no whales were hurt during this production. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was an actual thing, and they actually hit it, and there was stuff everywhere. And uh, the guy that plays Dewey kind of chimed in and laughed and said, "You know, everyone was complaining on how much I complained last season about all the blood all over me. Now they understand." <laughs> but they were talking about him as well when he brought it up. Apparently, when he's in the front of that boat, they're actually doing like 90 in this boat. Wow. So this whole thing, the speed that it looks like on on the shot, everything is being practically done. And he is getting so seasick and beat up because he's in the front of it and it's just bouncing. Yeah. And he's he just taking a butt whooping. <laughs> and they're, they're, with him talking about it, it was, uh, it was comical, really. Yeah, and at the very end, they, they basically dropped uh, actually two pieces of information. The boys had been picked up for season three already. Oh, sweet. Seth Rogen came on there and said, you know, we're good for season three. Uh, they already went and picked them up. And if you are big into like after show type things, there's going to be an after show on uh, Amazon Prime uh, for this season. So oh, cool. They'll drop the first three and then they'll talk about it. And after each episode, there'll be a show uh, kind of reflecting on the, the season so far, the episode and uh, going forward. So there, that was really the big news outside of the real uh, the clip that they gave us uh, on that panel. 
Yeah, I like stuff like that, and I feel like the boys can put on a uh, pretty good after show with the cast of characters that they have, so I'm looking forward to that. It's, it's one of my most anticipated shows probably uh, coming forward, or the only show coming forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the only, apparently. Um, but uh, another show that's coming up on Amazon Prime here in the next couple of months that I'm looking forward to, I, I got to see a trailer for it, is a show called uh, Truth Seekers. It's got the collaboration of Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, the two guys from uh, you know Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. I'm a big fan of those movies. Um, did you happen to catch this trailer? That one I have not. No, what was this one about? So basically, if I'm reading it right, I mean, it takes place in the UK. It's almost like, you know, Shaun of the Dead meets the X-Files, that kind of brand of humor. Uh, These two guys are in it. They're basically paranormal investigators, uh, you know, like ghost hunter types. But they somehow come across actually tapping into a doorway to another evil dimension. And uh, it's not just, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's not like, you know, a couple of guys sitting there with headphones listening to voices and doors creaking, you know, like the old Ghost Hunters show. You got girls climbing out of TVs. Yeah, (laughs) they run into actual poltergeists, actual demons. And uh, with their brand, it's pretty funny stuff. So um, um, have high hopes for that. It looks like a high quality production. And they're good at putting laughs and scares in combined form. I mean, Shaun of the Dead, my namesake. Go figure, you like that one? I would yeah. never have guessed. <laughs> Beyond uh, my name being in it, it's, it's one that I enjoy quite a bit. Yeah, no, another one I'm kind of looking forward to, and it, it's kind of been out for a little while now. Don't know why I haven't actually gotten to it yet. Upload is the one I'm kind of look, looking forward to. And uh, it's been out there. I've been kind of wanting to watch it. It's been out there, I think, for about a month or so now prior. So it's not brand new. It's nothing new to being released here at you know the Comic-Con. But uh, just the idea of, you know, it's kind of this upload world and everything. It almost, I almost think it has a feeling of kind of like the, the good place. That's kind of the, the idea, the okay. feel that I'm getting from it, just based on a little bit of what I've watched of that. Now, Janessa loves good place. Uh, I don't think she's finished it yet. I know the show is being completed, but uh, I'm not sure where she can get the rest of this. Yeah, you know, I think the third season. Upload. I know what you're talking about. It's I've actually watched the first season of Upload. So have they announced the season two? Is that what this is? Uh, honestly, I don't know. I think it's just more of it. It's one of their shows that did a panel on it that has you know the, the actors and everything into it. Was it is is it good? Is it worth my time? Yeah, I think it is. I think the premise itself. I mean, it's unique. I mean, it's science fiction, but it's also comedy. It also gets kind of dark. Basically, you have uh, this world. You know, it's kind of in the future where you. You can upload your consciousness into a computer, um, and after you die, <laughs> your body's disposed of, but basically your brain can survive and live on in this, uh, almost like this Matrix-type setting. But, you know, you can purchase these things, and it's kind of a, like, a you know, things that exist today. Like, you could either buy the uh, the Toyota or you could buy the BMW. I mean, it, <laughs> the, your experience all depends on, you know, the kind of money you have. So some folks, you know, they have enough money to buy the package to where they live on some, you know, apartment with uh, nice green grass the rest of their lives. And some folks, they make the kind of purchase to where they can spend the afterlife in this, you know, huge luxury hotel where they can do all sorts of things. I thought you were going to say the park bench. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you know, it, it's it's a comedy, but it's also kind of, you know, uh, it gets in your headspace at times as far as being dramatic. Uh, there's a bit of a love story. Honestly, if I had one criticism for the show, it was is that maybe it was a little too mixed up. It couldn't really find a, an appropriate tone to go for because sometimes it was like just straight up goofy, and other times it was trying to be really serious, and you couldn't really follow. Like, well, what are you trying to like present to me here? <laughs> um, it was made by Greg Daniels, who was actually the guy who brought The Office over from the UK uh, over to the US. 
I think it's definitely a, a, a show worth checking out. It's one that my wife uh, heard about first, and her and I started watching it, and you know, it was kind of one of those ones where we, we watched the whole thing within a week. So, yeah, that's another uh, quality show from Amazon right now. And then lastly, the one that I kind of slipped on earlier is uh, Utopia, which I didn't know a whole lot about. But then we just kind of watched the trailer before we you know, got going. And, dude, that seems twisted. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, it just it just looks like I don't know if, how much I can get into that one or not. Or if I can find time to actually, uh, you know, away from the family to kind of watch that. Maybe it's me and Janessa or just, just me because, <laughs> well, my kids don't go to bed at you know, a reasonable hour. Uh, yeah. I mean, speaking of The Office, it has Rain Wilson in it who played Dwight. He's in this show. Uh, it's got John Cusack, who, you know, you kind of see less and less these days, but I always enjoy seeing him. Um, if I'm gathering kind of what it is in the plot, I guess they're, you know, they're sort of in end times, it seems like. There's a bunch of, <laughs> basically, the show takes place in 2020. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, there's all kinds of, like, crazy stuff going on. And these uh, these fans of this comic book called Utopia, they can see that this book was actually written and predicted a lot of these events. Um, so this group, you know, I guess they try to like intercede to, uh, you know, try to save the world. I don't know. You know, it's got great actors. It's got a, um, interesting premise. Uh, looks like there's a lot of money thrown behind it. You know, some Amazon shows in the past that I feel like maybe haven't had the best, you know, special effects or production values compared to some of the other stuff that's out there. But, uh, this one looked good to me. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. I think I'm at least going to check out an episode or maybe two just to kind of get a good feeling from it. But it's yeah. one of those things here. I think all Amazon shows right now are going to benefit from the boys. From the boys doing so well, yeah. it shows that shows them that there is a market that they can actually tap into uh, to go ahead and you know take some of that away from you know Netflix, Apple TV, and there you know there is a market still for that original content that people are, are going to come to you definitely if it's already a part of something you're paying for. Yeah, and we're in kind of special times right now where there's a serious lack of content. I mean, people are just, you know, they're eager to, to absorb some new stuff. Amazon might be able to capitalize on, on that with uh, this showing. I think they, they put out a pretty strong group of uh, trailers and panels out there to get people excited. Yeah, no, kudos to them to see, see how this kind of uh, plays out. This may be something, they may become a bigger and bigger player, Yeah. you know, in San Diego if this works out for them. And I mean, go for it. If people, I mean, if, if other companies are pulling out, why not try to fill that void with, you know, with other content? It may become the place that we're not going to for uh, Marvel and and Disney and, and big news like that, but maybe instead we're um, learning about the the new high concept, uh, high production value shows that come from these streaming services. I mean, you brought up Disney here. I mean, Disney had a little bit of a, a showing here. I'm not sure how big of an audiobook person you are. I'm an audiobook nerd, and I pretty much have yeah. every new canon book that Disney has released in the Star Wars universe, and right. I'm not sure how familiar are with uh, Dr. Afra? Yeah, Dr. Afra. Yep. I mean, I didn't know who she was until I, I dove into the actual comic book world, which isn't a world that I am too deep in, but I got some of the, the Marvel Vader uh, comics. Mm-hmm. And I went through his whole series, and she pops up in there with Triple Zero and BT One as her as her droids. And dude, they're my favorite two droids in Star Wars universe. Triple <laughs> Zero and BT One. These two are freaking amazing. They're funny. They want to murder people. 
they have restraint. It's the whole thing about those two are awesome. And just the interaction that they have uh, with Alpha is amazing. Yeah, she kind of became a uh, fan favorite for those folks that do read the Star Wars comics. They kind of took to her character pretty quickly because she was basically able to stand toe-to-toe with Vader and kind of talk him into treating her as a partner and somebody that he can use for his own purposes, you know, in a way that could basically keep her in around. I think he maybe caught her in the midst of doing some kind of slicing or, or hacker work, and she was able to convince him to be like, hey, instead of, you know, disposing of me like you do <laughs> everybody, everybody else, else, how about I work for you? And, uh, you know, it convinced him. I mean, for you to be able to pull that off with the Lord of the Sith, Darth Vader, it's pretty impressive. So uh, fans latched on to her pretty quickly. Yeah, no, it's funny, and I actually sat down, and earlier today, before we were recording this, I uh, sat down and watched a panel, you know, of it, and apparently the, the book is like almost like a three hour almost like monologue okay it's like it's all her it's like it's just constant so every time instead of like someone like telling the story of what she's doing it's it's actually her talking or doing things so it's like interacting with other like uh wookies and you know, then you have you know your triple zero your bt1 so it sounds interesting i've already got it on my phone I actually went ahead and I pre-ordered it and I didn't realize it dropped already until I looked at my phone like, oh, <laughs> and I'm getting further and further behind. Like I'm still finishing up uh, Alphabet Squadron's uh, sequel book, Shadowfall. Okay. And that's a 16 hour book. Oh, wow. So I'm trying to get through that. And then there's one out there that I went ahead and uh, pre-ordered DC's Sandman. Oh yeah. I've heard about that. Uh, I, I've got that on there as well. So, and then I also have uh, The Queen's Peril, which is uh, another story for uh, Queen Amidala. So I'm getting all these books, and then I've got more coming. I got the new stories coming out from Star Wars. So the new books, I've got all this stuff, you know, coming to my phone, and I'm getting further and further and further behind. <laughs> it's like I'll, I'm going to be buried here shortly. Yeah, it's insane. You mentioned Sandman. That kind of came across in my uh, Facebook feed this week as I was scrolling through. Uh, I guess they announced the cast this week, and I just couldn't believe it. I've never seen any kind of cast for an audio production like this. I mean, it's got James McAvoy, Kat Dennings, Taron Edgerton, who uh, played Elton John in that uh, Elton John movie recently. Um, it's got Michael Sheen, another British actor. It's got Andy Serkis. It's like got incredible like actors and, and voice actors in here. Neil Gaiman himself, the writer, is going to be the narrator. Uh, and Neil Gaiman, I don't know, you know, I haven't read too much of his work, but as far as within the graphic novel, comic book realm, like, he is a hugely respected author, um, and Sandman is one of his one of his babies, one of his characters. So um, if he's a part of it, then I imagine it probably has his blessing, uh, so it's probably going to be a great production. Yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out, do I want to go ahead and start that here? Uh, when I'm finished, you know, Shadowfall, which I've got, I still have three hours left. Yeah. Or, or do I go into Dr. Alpha? Because Dr. Alpha is only five and a half hours. Mm. If I go into Sandman, Sandman's 10 hours. Yeah. So do I take the smaller bite and then take a big bite, then fall back into Queen's Peril, which is six hours? You know what I mean? Kind of. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind what of. A, what a nerdy problem to have. I know, right? I was like, <laughs> I'm talking about all my Star Wars books here. Do I get out of the Star Wars realm here just a little bit to kind of like get a step back from it? Because I, I get so deep into them sometimes. Yeah. It almost becomes like, okay, it's just just another one. Right. So, like, I'm, I'm halfway tempted to go ahead and listen to Ready Player One again. It'd be, like, my 15th time. <laughs> I love that book. I, I can't stand it. How much I enjoy that one. But, like, there, there's one. Uh, it was a TV show on CBS. It was a very terrible TV show on CBS. It should have never been a TV show on CBS. Uh, it's a book called Shit My Dad Says. Oh, I remember that, yeah. And the book itself is phenomenal. <laughs> it is so funny. 
I, w- I mean, I've had, it's been out for a long while. I was driving to and from Springfield listening to it. I couldn't stop listening. And literally, there was times where I'm just, I was almost crying laughing so hard. <laughs> yeah, didn't they make the TV show with William Shatner? And yeah. it just was, like, took kind of, like, the concept, but really it didn't have the same bite as the book. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've maybe watched maybe one or two episodes of the show. It was so bad. Oh, man. So I was like, I was like you know what? But then when I found the book, I was like, yeah. And then there was a sequel to it. I suck at girls. <laughs> It's great. If it has, if it's not one, it's a quick listen. And if you're looking to break up like the monotony of things you've been listening to, if it's Star Wars or if it's DC stuff, yeah. or if you're listening to like the inspirational stuff, I mean, or whatever you're listening to right you know, right now, or heck, us, shut us off, try it. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> After you download, you got to download first and hit play, and then you can pause and go listen to the book. You come back to us. Right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, then their uh, uh, Star Wars here is actually jumping back out into the gaming world again as well. Star Wars Squadrons. Did, did you get a chance to see the trailer to this game? I did actually, and I'm looking forward to it. So you know, I'm into retro gaming. Uh, recently, I picked up some uh, GameCube gaming and N64 games. I actually uh, added Rogue Squadron uh, one and two. Oh, nice! I'm no stranger to taking my X-wing down the Death Star trench. So I've been looking forward to trying to do that on some you know next gen consoles right and it's been a while since they've had a game like that come out so from what i'm you know I'm, it's one that i'll definitely pick up i pretty much pick up every star wars game that comes out i loved fallen order i thought that was a great game um this is going to be more tailored around um you know the the flight aspect and kind of the space battle aspect of star wars i think it is going to have somewhat of a uh, first player story but from what i'm seeing here it's mostly tailored toward toward an online experience which I'm not a huge fan of, but um, it's not going to stop me from picking up the game. Yeah, I mean, as far as I can tell, there's going to be a you know a single player story mode. Probably not long, not too much invested in it. Probably more so to to teach you how to fly the actual crafts. Because what I get from Grasp from it, it goes back and forth. So you're flying some of the Imperial stuff, then you're flying some of the, uh, the Rebel stuff. So you're flying a Tie Fighter, then you're flying you know an A Wing, right? Going back and forth. So if you get the you know the feel on how to handle both of them, going to the you know the online five on five uh, type of environment won't be too jarring for you. It almost reminded me of the Star Wars novel uh, Lost Stars. Didn't you uh, read that one or listen to that yeah. one? Yeah. Oh, I, oh, I love that How you that have um, kind of both sides of the rebellion. You have the rebellion and folks in the Empire. You get to play as both sides yeah. uh, in this game. Uh, you get to fly X-Wings, and you also get to fly, like, TIE Interceptors. I mean, you're seeing both aspects. So if, if they have some sort of a story that almost kind of reflects or in the, is in the same vein of Lost Stars, I think it could be a really successful hit. Dude, you're going to send me down a rabbit hole real quick here. If you haven't listened to Lost Stars and you can handle a little bit like a Romeo and Juliet yeah. type story, yeah, listen to it. It's amazing because you get you see why there are people that are in the empire and why they think they're doing the right thing right and then you see characters that were like best friends become disillusioned with what's happening yep and then you then then they have friends that like are on the death star when it blows up so they're losing all these people so we, we've never seen it through edit edson's you know point of view right the, i mean they're the lowest of the low you know in the empire And they feel like they're doing the right thing. They think they're doing the right thing. They're indoctrinated by their parents saying they're doing the right thing. Yeah. The kind of folks that uh, sleep in the the bunks and eat in the mess hall on these Star Destroyers. (laughs) That's who you're following. Yeah. Um, But you follow these characters along and and the events, the story with these characters kind of weaves in and out of the events that we know in the big movies, right? Including both Death Star battles, uh, both in A New Hope and Return of the Jedi. So it's just, I mean, it is a crazy book because you're seeing 
battles from both sides. You know these battles back to front if you're a Star Wars fan. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you when you hear mention of the X-Wing and the Millennium Falcon coming out of the second Death Star and it, when it's about to blow up, and, you know, you know what happens in these things, but to see it from a different perspective with these characters that you kind of learn and to appreciate and, and see their side of their points of view. Like Chris said, it's definitely worth picking up if you're a Star Wars fan. Well, it goes all the way to the, the battle over Jakku. Oh, and yeah. It explains why those uh, Star Destroyers are on Jakku when we you know jump into The Force Awakens. Yeah. So it, it connects the whole world. So when I seen that in Force Awakens, I'm like, oh, dude. I mean, that's that's awesome. <laughs> so I'm loving more and more on how Disney or what Disney is doing with all the canon. Yeah. And how they're connecting everything. You listen to one book, and then you make it a character from a complete other book, and everything is happening simultaneously. I, I think they're they're working on you know fixing some of the characters that aren't in canon right now. I think people just need to be patient. Right. They got to work on getting them into canon that fits them into canon, rather than just shoe wedging them into it. Yeah, and what boy is talking Star Wars is dangerous for us. It really takes us off our tracks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we yeah we we kind of got to stop. It. But uh, going back to you know squadrons, I suck at these games. Oh yeah, I mean I am no. I mean going all the way back to um, uh, Independence Day, I remember playing that game on PlayStation, <laughs> flying around and you know shooting those alien crafts down. I just was never really good. You know, hitting the brakes and trying to have them fly by you doesn't work in video games. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a neat trick. <laughs> but, but, uh, I mean, this one here, we've talked about VR in the past. If you have a PS, I mean, 4, and I think even the 5 is going to go ahead and have the, the, uh, technology with it. But that, that's really the biggest draw for the VR purpose of it. It's a full immersion. Oh, yeah. You put that helmet on, and it's like you're putting on a TIE Fighter pilot's helmet, and you're looking around, and you're seeing everything. So you're fully immersed into the game. Now, that would be something I would be into. Uh, these games where you see yourself kind of walking around or playing Beat Saber and all that, <laughs> not so much. This concept here is uh, very intriguing to me. Oh, yeah, especially if they're able to carry over eventually. I don't know if they could now, but eventually you'll get to a point where you'll be able to wear a, a headset that'll be a 4K resolution, 60 frames per second, and be totally immersed. Um, I don't think we're too far away from that, maybe within five years or so. And to jump into a, the pilot seat of a TIE fighter or an X-Wing, we're in VR. That is pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> That'd be awesome. That is that is the one draw for me. Now, I gotta be very, very careful. I mean, uh, that'd be very straightforward here. I just spent about $450 on a GoPro today <laughs> that I did not get in trouble for, so I'm not sure how that happened. So a game system for me in the living room <laughs> Is probably a far way off. Out of the question, huh? Yes, yes. I got to pick my battles. And uh, one of these things I think you told me back when I first got married, ask for forgiveness, not for permission. It's gotten me in trouble a few times, but uh, this time it actually worked. Oh, my God. Boy, oh, boy. I wish I hadn't taught you that saying. That saying in itself has bitten me in the butt more times than I can count. It's been repeated back to me with a very stern tone. <laughs> oh, that, that's funny there. Now, <laughs> man, we, we are straying here. It's funny. But moving on here, if you pay attention to our Facebook page, I put a picture of the, the original turtles I got about a year ago or so now. It's been a little while. But I got them, you know, displayed up next to you, my, my my person, the art that I got from the the guy in Cincinnati uh, Comic Expo, and they are having a 30 year TMNT panel celebrating 30 years of Turtles. I was pumped to hear this. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely gonna try to check it out myself. There's been a lot of love for the original movie. I think they're on their 
thirtieth year. Yeah, I think the first movie came out in nineteen ninety. So I don't know. Maybe this panel will have some stars from that movie. I, I know they've done a couple calls and some like Zoom calls with the actress who played April O'Neil in that that first movie. But yeah, I mean, you and I are both turtle heads. So anything that they put out where they're talking, to, especially uh, talking about the turtles that were around, you know, when we were kids. Tur- the Ninja Turtles are kind of like Batman in that vein, where they've they've had a lot of different interpretations and incarnations of those characters. Yeah, definitely when it comes to like the cartoon version. Yeah. Cartoons have played had a lot more liberties with the actual uh with what they do. They've done three different versions. I mean there were the originals when we were kids. There was the movie that came out in two thousand eight, yes. which was a CG movie. Um and then the Michael Bay ones that came out just recently. You know, the two ones where they were big and you know I enjoyed those two. I thought I enjoyed them for what they were. Uh, there, as long as I was able to let a few things slide, like the you know, the origins and everything, in which they tried to change yeah. in those movies, I was like, okay, I can I can kind of put that aside for the visuals. The characters had the personalities that I remembered. I mean, granted, these guys were freaking you know roided out freaking <laughs> monsters. I mean, they were basically you know, Rocksteady and Bebop. <laughs> yeah, they were huge. I didn't really care for the Michael Bay version of the of the turtles, but I mean, they're they're making a brand new movie. The set to come out where I think hopefully they'll actually instead of being full CG they're actually going to be a mix of like animatronics and CG which I hope they actually follow through on so I mean they've had a ton of iterations in the comics in the cartoons in the movies anything and everything from like silly kid stuff where you could hand a you know a four-year-old a Ninja Turtle comic yeah all the way to I mean the original from Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird which were like you know <laughs> I mean they were kind of savage <laughs> they were black and white and bloody and wasn't well, there like a Batman meets Ninja Turtles movie you bought or something in those lines there was there was a movie that came out about a year ago um, that was based off a comic series that came out in the last few years where the Ninja Turtles meet Batman so I, I don't know these, you know, these turtles and their shells—they've got long legs. I mean, they've been able to withstand the test of time here. Who would have known? When our parents heard the the words "Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles" put together the first time, they're yeah. probably like, they're probably like shaking their heads, like, "What the heck is this?" Hold on, a, a rat <laughs> trained turtles, you know, <laughs> kung fu. What, what what's going on here? No, I mean the whole thing. I would love for them to get back to kind of the original type costumes oh, yeah. and setups in the first movie. They were by far the best. I mean, the second one and the third one, I feel like they were going backwards in the way that the turtles actually looked. I don't know. I, I love that first movie. It's got to be one of my favorites of all time when it comes to like any type of like comic book or any, any type of movie down those lines. Yeah, same here. It's a classic to me. Um, I plan on hanging up the poster once I get to building my man cave eventually. But yeah, turtles, this panel should be uh, pretty fun to watch. Yes, sir. There are a few more things um, that have come out in Comic-Con this week uh, outside of just the uh, stuff from Amazon. Um, I watched a couple trailers, stuff I'm looking forward to. There's a show called Lovecraft Country on HBO that looks just weird <laughs> and crazy. And uh, But, you know, right up my alley, it looks great. Kind of in the same vein of Watchmen. I enjoyed that. There is a show coming out by Guillermo del Toro. We were just talking about him recently, uh, where he kind of takes on the myth of the Wendigo. And uh, it's a brand new um, movie coming out from him. And we were wondering where he's been. He's got a movie coming out, apparently. Yeah, I mean, he's going to put his name on it. I'm for it. It looks, dude... I, it looks creepy. 
Yeah, it looks creepy. The, the trailer, I gotta watch a little bit more there. Apparently there's extra trailers, some teasers. I gotta get into a little bit more of this before I can give it my thumbs up because, well, it's a little outside of the realm of what I'm normal normally watch. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, there's, there were a lot of kind of creepy trailers. I watched a trailer for New Mutants, which has been a movie kind of in development hell that 20th Century Fox was making while they were being purchased by Disney. So it's, it's been sitting in limbo for a couple years now uh, without being released. It's been completed forever. Disney's finally kind of releasing it here. Now that we're in a dead zone of content, I guess they feel okay <laughs> to release it. But they put out a, a trailer here, and it just looks crazy. It's, you know, it's New Mutants, so it's based off the kind of the X-Men universe. You have mutants in it, uh, but it's a totally different vein. It's these kids that are pretty much kind of trapped in this, like, psychiatric ward uh, trying to get out, and they're all mutants. It's almost like a uh, thriller, like a horror movie, almost like a... A, um, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors, or, or something. Um, it looks crazy. It looks good. Something that's kind of outside of the vein of your typical Disney product. It definitely sits within that 20th Century Fox bucket. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, another scary thing that you and I both saw was, I guess, an extension to The Walking Dead, but it's for kids now? What's that about? I, I know. When I seen for kids, I'm like, oh, I mean, when we say kids, what are we talking about? You're talking about, like, 14, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds? Because if, if we're talking now, they're already watching The Walking Dead. <laughs> right. So how, like, young are we talking? Walking Dead babies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dead baby, baby jokes, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's for the kids. So I'm watching it, and it, it's about I think I said it's like ten years after the actual original like infection or whatever took place. Right. And it shows these kids kind of surviving, and then they decide to you know to venture off on their own to go ahead and do something. It, it talk about how they're like they may they don't want to be the last generation; they want to be the next generation or something down those lines. And I've fallen so far out of love with The Walking Dead, and it's been so long that anything in that like in that world has kind of intrigued me. Uh, this might. And, it might just because it's not I don't think it's going to go down those roads of Negan or the you know the mayor I mean things like things things like that turned me off to the show and I think it's just because why do we need that big of an antagonist in the show when we have these creatures that want to eat you to start with yeah the premise of the show is kind of interesting it almost looks like uh, Walking Dead the next generation or something to where it's, uh, it's got this group of younger kids they're maybe in their teens or something kind of a coming of age story about the generation that grew up with with the zombie outbreak, you know, they don't really know a world prior to it. They only kind of grew up in the this apocalyptic world, and uh, they're just trying to, like, start anew, start civilization up again. So I think the premise is really kind of interesting. What, from what I've seen, it only is a uh, two-season limited series so far. But I have to believe if they're going into a second season and it's pretty popular, then they'll extend that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they're going to try to milk this for what it's worth. Yeah. I have a hard time believing it's for kids. The way it seems in the actual trailer, I almost feel like it should have been like, it should have been phrased through kids' eyes or the kids' adventure or something down those lines rather than trying to target, you know, Zach. Zach's not watching this stuff. Yeah, it's kind of a weird mix because, you know, the main characters are definitely younger. It's almost like a, um, if the CW made a Walking Dead show. But at the same time, it's like they didn't spare anything with the gore. I mean, the, the zombies look as scary as they do on the actual main show. So yeah. 
I don't know if that that mix in presentation is going to hurt them in the long run because maybe you have adults that don't really care about younger characters and maybe the intended audience is maybe a little bit too young to enjoy a zombie show. I don't know. It, it may be a hard sell, but I guess we'll just have to check it out when it comes out. Yeah, so I mean, there's that one there. If I remember to watch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's right about that time we jump into that speedboat, punch it up to 60 miles an hour, 70, keep cruising, and crash right into that cheesy. What do you think here? <laughs> yeah, let's just hope the deep isn't too mad at us. <laughs> okay, so I'll go ahead and go first here. I am anticipating crickets, so let's see what we get. <laughs> what do you get when you cross a fish and an elephant? I do not know. Swimming trunks. Uh. <laughs> Ooh, that's a cute one. <laughs> I told you. I'm going for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That wasn't too bad. All right. Here's here's mine. You ready? Go for it. What do you call a stationary convention in Philadelphia? No idea. Pennsylvania. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Oh, I I got, at least I got cute. You got a sigh. I can can hear those crickets now. It's it's almost a badge of honor now. (laughs) If you get the crickets on the show, it's a badge of honor. (laughs) Guys, we're coming up on a year here. We've been doing this as, well, our first show released August 1st. So we will be camping on August 1st. So we're going to be doing some other things. We're not going to actually have a podcast next week. For obvious reasons, we'll be in the wild, you know, <laughs> as wild as it gets. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be listening to actual crickets. <laughs> we're going to go do that uh, for a couple days. Uh, Sean's daughter is going to join us for the first time, so we're going to be great. We did mention I have that GoPro, so what we're going to wind up doing is do a like a video-type setup. So we're going to put it up on all our social media platforms. And then I, I plan on separating the audio from that, so hopefully we can put it up via yeah, our normal release as well. So it's just going to be like a one-year anniversary retrospective, you know, on how things started. And we're going to do it by the campfire. I mean, we're going to do it then you know, the birthplace of the Dad and the Rock podcast and uh, just kind of BS, actually be together. It's going to be the first time we're going to record any content uh, for the show outside of the uh, Louisville Comic Expo that we did maybe a three-minute video on actually together. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be the first camping trip that we have where Dad and the Rock is fully formed and established and... Uh, we're going to be talking about that, and just, uh, I mean, I look forward to this trip every year anyway, just hanging out together, relaxing by the campfire, um, having our kids with us. This is the first time Verona's going, so it's going to be pretty special. Okay, guys, well, we hope you listen to this, enjoy this, uh, look forward to, you know, giving you that extra content that we typically don't do, uh, video-wise, and uh, I think it's a good point for us to go ahead and say the Dad and the Rock podcast is signing off for the evening. I'll see you in a couple weeks. Wise men say, forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza.